As we continue worshiping together today, receive the words of scripture, first from Psalm 42. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say continually, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with a throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from the Mount Mazur. Deep calls to deep at the thunder of your torrents. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully? Because the enemy oppresses me. As with a daily wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. Please remain risen and receive these words from the gospel according to Luke, the eighth chapter beginning with verse 26. Then they arrived at the region of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on the shore, a man from the city who had demons met him. For a long time, he had not worn any clothes and he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him shouting, what have you to do with me, Jesus, most son of the most God, high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd stampeded down the bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind and they became frightened. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. 
Then the whole throng of people of the surrounding region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming through the city how much Jesus had done for him. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Let us pray together. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, for you and you alone are our rock, our liberator, our redeemer, our true home. Amen. What is your name? This question posed by Jesus in our gospel today is a question that we ask one another all the time, but it is a very powerful question because our names hold some piece of our history. Perhaps we're named after family members, living or dead, or named after a parent's favorite character from a book or a show or a movie or a famous celebrity or perhaps a favorite sports figure. Maybe our names uh, started as nicknames that just stuck. Or our names might be self-given in the process of celebrating and affirming our true gender identity. And even if, as in my case, Ginger Elise was just the name that my parents could agree on, all of these names, from wherever they come, hold some, some bit of where we come from, of whom we come from, our identity. But none of that is true for the response given to Jesus in our story when he asks the question. The man encounters Jesus and he was just some man from the city, it says. But he was also someone's child. He was someone's sibling, perhaps someone's husband or father. And he bore in his body, we're told, the scars of different kinds of chains that had repeatedly, evidently, been fashioned to control and subdue him. And if you read the story carefully, we're told that he has demons, but we don't know what that is. We don't really know why he was treated in this way. Though we know that humans have been very good through the ages to find reasons to do harm to others. 
Two things are very clear in the text. The man is deeply afflicted, and others have banished and bound him. Jesus, however, engages this child of God differently, seeking to release him from his suffering. But the man cries out, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. He expects nothing but torment, perhaps He fears that Jesus' messing with the powers that harm him will only make the bodily assault worse. Perhaps this beloved one's mind is incapable of conceiving that liberation will ever come after so long a time in chains. And later, it's clear that it seems that the tormenting powers have stolen the man's own voice because notice in verse 31, it doesn't say he begs Jesus, but they beg Jesus not to cast them back into the abyss. In the midst of this, Jesus asks the question, what is your name? And the name given says something about the man's experience, but is not his true name. The name spoken is Legion. And in Jesus' day, anyone would have known the implications of such a name. Legion was a Roman army unit of up to 6,000 soldiers. It symbolizes an occupying force whose power is complete, whose presence means the loss of control over every dimension of life for anyone in their realm, in their presence. This was the experience of the Jewish people under Roman occupation. And the man identified as legion reveals in this moment, it is revealed that he is powerless before the things that bind him. This child of God is crushed, is browbeaten, is chained and separated from his family, his true identity by the forces of violent oppression, which are always an empire supported and legitimated by religion. These powers of violent oppression that saturated the Roman Empire. And that empire extracted strength and resources from those under their control to grow fat and rich off the bodies and the resources and the labor of others. This may explain, in part at least, the response of the folks who come to investigate what's happened. When they saw the drowned pigs and the man restored to wholeness and Jesus with him, they were afraid and they told Jesus to go away. And why would they be afraid? Why would they want Jesus to leave? 
Well, if Jesus starts treating the outcast, those who have been imprisoned, enslaved, used, and abused, if Jesus starts treating the outcast like persons of dignity and sacred worth, then the power and control equation will be disrupted. And those who are deemed dangerous will be allowed to move about among the people as if they were full human beings. If Jesus starts going around setting the captives free, it's gonna mess up the economy. think we in America care about anything more than messing up the economy. But I'm getting ahead of myself. In this story, they were worried it was going to mess up the economy because after all, there's already a whole herd of swine that's been lost, and that's just with one person's liberation. Today is Juneteenth. It is Freedom Day, (laughs) the day when slavery officially came to an end in the United States. On June 19th, Juneteenth, 1865, about two months after the Confederate General Robert E. Lee surrendered, Gordon Granger, a Union general, arrived in Galveston, Texas to inform enslaved African-Americans of their freedom and that the Civil War had ended. Let's keep in mind that there was no email, there were no cell phones, there was no way to get word out there so far away. Well, there was, but evidently no one cared enough to get there sooner. General Granger's announcement put into effect in that place the Emancipation Proclamation, which had been issued more than two and a half years earlier, on January the 1st, 1863, by President Lincoln. Juneteenth is a day of celebration and has been observed by many African Americans for decades, often including prayer services and a full reading of the Emancipation Proclamation and dancing and good food. And today marks the second year of Juneteenth celebration as a federal holiday. And I can't help on this day when Sunday and Juneteenth meet on this text that we have heard today, I can't help but make the connections between this Freedom Day and the liberation of the man in the gospel. Observe the similarities if you have not already. There was separation from family, being bound with chains and shackles, living under guard, being utterly powerless other than pushing back or trying to escape, knowing even then that any challenge to the oppressor would mean brutal and violent retaliation landing on their bodies, and the larger population carrying on as if there was nothing wrong with this. And then the 
question at the center of our reflection today, a question of personal history, a question of family connection, a question of identity. What is your name? The man's own voice no longer speaks. The powers of oppression speak for him. Name him. This is legion. He belongs to empire to the greed and the cruelty of Caesar. The, the spirit of Caesar stole his name. And that was the reality of every enslaved person. Their name, language, culture, history, dignity, all stolen. But the other thing that these stories have in common, and on this Juneteenth, we remember that liberation came. For those in Texas, it came late. For all of those enslaved, it came late. But it came. And yes, the life-stealing violence of racism and white supremacy are so far from being fully vanquished. The horror of January the 6th, so front of mind as the public trials and hearings play out was largely fueled by feeding that beast, by feeding it. Sometimes it's difficult to even imagine our nation will ever truly be free of this vile poison. But friends, today we are here in the church of the God of Jesus Christ and celebrate that liberation comes. We celebrate what we can't imagine. <laughs> the things we can't imagine are possible. And we're able to do that because the power of God's love is always at work in the world. I'm going to keep saying it on days when it rings true, and I'm going to say it on days when for you it rings hollow. We're going to keep proclaiming it because it's the truth. It is possible, this thing we can't imagine, liberation and freedom from this vile poison of racism and white supremacy, it is possible because the power of God's love is always at work in the world, moving in and among people of faith who know that the God we worship receives the cries of enslaved persons everywhere and through all time and sends a liberator to set them free, is a redeemer whose justice will make things right, a God who promises new life and resurrection and that trouble don't last always. Liberation is possible because spirit continues to move among people who understand that God is not a God of one race. God is not a God of one nation. That the God of Abraham and Rahab and Hagar and Moses and Mary does not lift up the already rich 
and powerful, but scatters the proud in the imagination of their hearts and brings down the powerful from their thrones and lifts up the lowly and fills the hungry with good things and sends the rich away because they've already got what they need. God breaks down the dividing walls that would seek to divide and separate us and is determined to make us one people, whole in our being and in our communion, committed to love and justice. There are those who pervert God into a God who blesses division, who blesses bullying and enslaving and impoverishing others. People try to make our God into a God who desires people in chains and in chokeholds and in cells, a God who loves some and would throw others away. And I pray daily for the grace and the strength to remember that These two are children of God. Even as I continue with you and so many others to resist with every fiber, cell, and sinew of my being, to resist such unbiblical, perverse theology and the immoral actions that flow from it. The story in our text today has at its center a man who has lost his identity under the weight of the greed and oppressive control of empire. And when first introduced in verse 27, he's referred to in the Greek as anerpolios, loosely translated as some random guy from the city. A nobody. And we never learn the given name of the man whom we first encounter among the tombs, among the places of death. But be assured that God knew his name the whole time, knows it to this very day, felt every blow, every pain, every loss, and that Jesus, we are told today, met him not as a nobody, but as a beloved somebody who sought nothing but his wholeness and his redemption and liberation. Jesus met this one as a member of the beloved clan. In verse 35, liberated and restored through that encounter with Jesus, the once random guy, is now referred to by the Greek word anthropon, which means literally human being. And this beloved human being, by the end of the story, has regained his own voice and went home proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. He was set free to participate in the ongoing work of proclaiming God's liberating power and God's love. He was set free to proclaim that we who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes, until all know that their family name 
is beloved. We're all set free by that same love. And our work continues. And we'll keep trying together to proclaim the truth. By God's grace, may it be so. Amen. <laughs>